wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes! 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 For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! Stupid idiot. Shut your mouth, you thong-wearing fatty. Party's over, Grandpa. Kane was there! Kane was there too! Yeah! No enhancement needed. This ain't Monday Night Raw! This fight's right! It's Wrestle Rant Radio. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to Wrestle Rant Radio for January 16, 2020. I am Graham G.S. Matthews. Hope you guys are doing well. Unfortunately, the cold that I had a couple weeks ago has returned, but the thing is, it's only the cough. Only my cough is back, and my my throat isn't sore, I'm not congested, I don't have a headache. That's kind of the, the symptoms that I had initially um, around Christmas time, right after Christmas, going into New Year's. I, I, I kind of felt a little under the weather, and I had a cough and whatever. The cough has kind of come back in the last 24 hours or so. Worse yet, because I didn't, I, probably because I didn't take anything for it last night, my voice is shot. Um, and I had to record like this for hashtag SGSM and now for WrestleRant Radio. Had I let this subside for a day and I recorded this Thursday morning as I always do, um, maybe it wouldn't be as bad, but unfortunately I do have to record a day earlier this week as I'll be busy on Thursday. So no Dynamite review, no NXT review, but we do have a ton of talk about nonetheless. Between Raw, we have the Hard to Kill review from Impact Wrestling on Sunday, the NXT UK Blackpool 2 show, which was tremendous. I'll be talking all about that from this past week, as well as uh, news on TNT and their deal with Dynamite through 2023, as announced on Wednesday, and the um, latest news that Mercedes Martinez is officially signed to WWE. I know I talked about it last week and with it being rumored and whatnot, but it's officially official. Mercedes Martinez and Jake Atlas have been signed to WWE's Performance Center, which is cool. We'll get into all that and much more coming up shortly. And again, hopefully I can make it to the full hour here today um, with my shot throw. But in the meantime, though, before we get started with all of that, you guys can check out full episodes of WrestleRant Radio every single Thursday, not only on NextAirWrestling.net, but also on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, Podbean, uh, we're on all the podcast platforms, so be sure to subscribe today, rate the show, review the show, uh, subscribe to the show, all that stuff is greatly appreciated, and as I said last week, if you leave a review of the show in the iTunes, I mean, that's probably where I would most prominently see it, um, if you leave a five-star review um, with a written review of the show, your thoughts on it, that stuff would be greatly appreciated, I'll shout you out right here on the show. Um, as for me, you can find me on the social media pages on Twitter at WrestleRant, on Facebook at Facebook.com, backslash Graham.GSM.Matthews, uh, Graham and also on YouTube at YouTube.com, backslash C, backslash Matthews. On a quick side note, before we get started here with my thoughts on all the news that broke this past week in wrestling, and there was quite a bit of it between not only the shows that aired, but the Tessa Blanchard controversy, which I'll get to in my Hard to Kill review. Um, a lot of Triple H talk with, you know, what he said about Paige and some, uh, you know, uh, conference call or whatever a couple of days ago. All of that I addressed on hashtag AskGSM on Wednesday. It was a pretty newsworthy week, to say the least. Um, but this is worth noting, like I said, I was able to pick up a new phone on Friday, the iPhone XR. And the only reason I bring that up is so going forward when I have someone here on the show, including next week with Mr. Marceau RJ, as we always do our Royal Rumble predictions, um, he's on every show before the Big Four pay-per-views to help me preview and break down the cards. Um, I'm sure we'll be previewing the World's Collide show as well. I'm not watching that until Sunday morning. I'll be at a Northeast Wrestling show, um, actually that same night in Waterbury, which is going to have Marty Skrull on it, Animal of Legion of Doom, which sounds so random. Um, Bob Backlund is going to be there. Um, they're going to have, <coughs> excuse me, Vincent of uh, the former kingdom for Ring of Honor, Vinny Marcellia. They're going to have uh, Gorillas of Destiny, actually, the former IWGP Tag Team Champions. I don't think they're still the champions. I think they dropped the belts at the Wrestle Kingdom show a couple weeks ago, if not before that. <clears throat> but I've never met them before. They'll be at the show. So Alexis and I and her brother are going to be at that show on Saturday. No worlds collide for me until Sunday. Then we also have the NWA Hard Times pay-per-view on Friday night of that same weekend before the Rumble on Sunday. Um, this past weekend was super busy between the TakeOver, Hard to Kill, the two Ring of Honor events, which I'll touch upon as well momentarily. 
Um, but still, there, there's a lot to get to here on today's show. But the new phone thing, going back to my original point before I, uh, you know, my, that, that train of thought escaped me. The new phone thing will definitely help with the phone calls going forward. I haven't gotten too many complaints about this, but it just bothers me personally that when I have people here on the show, and usually what I do is I not hold the phone up to my microphone. It's not exactly a professional setup. I'll tell you that right now. There's no secret way that I do this because um, Audacity, which is what I use to edit the audio of the show, um, only allows one track. So I can't plug people into my laptop or call people over Skype and record it that way. And if I do it over Skype, which we've done before here on the show, and it's fine, but if my Wi-Fi kicks out and that shits the bed, then the audio is fucked. Um, I would rather just call people over the phone, whether it be over Skype or over FaceTime audio or just normal audio, which isn't usually the greatest. Um, but because I've had my phone, my previous phone, for three and a half years, which I, I think that's a long time, but I may be wrong. Sometimes people hold on to phones for like four or five years, um, but I use it so much that it was just there was a lot of wear and tear on the thing, and it was still usable, but the audio quality was terrible. Um, even if I bumped up the gain here on my microphone, and even if I put my phone as close as possible to the other side of the microphone where I could pick up the audio, it was still super quiet. You could hear me loud and clear, obviously. But the phone calls, not so much. So I'm hoping that will not be an issue next week when I call RJ to break down the Royal Rumble pay-per-view as well as Worlds Collide. So quick preview right there. That's what we have on tap for next week's episode of WrestleRant Radio. Um, but as I mentioned, I'm recording this a day early on Wednesday. Usually I record the show on Thursdays, have it up by late Thursdays on all the podcast platforms. But because I'll be out on Thursday, going to be breaking it down a day early here today, which means no NXT or Dynamite reviews, as I said at the start of the show. But this is worth bringing up. The news did break on Wednesday that AEW Dynamite has signed a new extension with TNT through 2023 for the next three years worth overall $175 million. Um, that Dynamite will continue to air on TNT at least through 2023. This news should not surprise anyone, first of all. Second of all, it's great news, obviously. First and foremost, that should probably be the first and foremost. Um, that it's great news, but it also should not be surprising news. Dynamite, for all the talk that, oh, it's dying, its its ratings aren't as strong as it once was when it first started, well, no shit. Um, NXT's putting on a much better product than they were. They got creamed in the ratings last week. It was like 900-something thousand, like I talked about here on this show. I already forgot the numbers. But Dynamite won like by almost 200,000 viewers, which is not close at all. Like, NXT and Dynamite were kind of tying there for a while in December. Um, we'll see if the ratings are any different this week. Because I did not think last week's Dynamite, like I talked about last week here on the show, was all that great. Quite honestly, I thought it was one of their weaker shows up, up to this point. In the Dynamite era since October, it was a pretty weak show. Um, I, I hope the Bash of the Beach show is better than what they put out last Wednesday. But it is great news um, that Dynamite will continue to air on TNT for the next three years at least. And again, it's not surprising because, again, for all the talk about Dynamite failing and the ratings are failing and it's going under and they had a bad show, fuck off with that shit. Because just because they had one bad show and uh, maybe one not-so-good week of ratings uh, when NXT beat them one week or a few weeks, actually, in a row, um, that really means nothing. Because the show is still, for all its faults, which there aren't that many of, to be honest with you, I still think the positives outweigh the negatives drastically on Dynamite. It's still very enjoyable two hours to uh, watch every Wednesday night. But for all the talk about that, it's still overperforming than what they originally expected. Um, TNT, I think, was thinking around the 500,000 range for Dynamite, which is being modest for a show that's not, you know, I know it's a major network and people will tune in regardless, but it's not that established of a show. AEW just started just shy of a year ago or just over a year ago, actually. They didn't have their first show until May with Double or Nothing. So for a not-established wrestling promotion, the opposite of a WWE show was very impressive. And the show, again, by and large, has been very entertaining. They're doing all the right things for the most part. Um, they're by far not a perfect brand, but neither is NXT. Neither is Raw. New Japan isn't either, uh, contrary to popular belief. No one wrestling brand is perfect. They will work through the faults. I have faith that they will. I have hope that they will. I'm sure they will. Um, and continue to air on TNT for the next three years at least. I'm sure it will extend well beyond that. But $175 million, um, I think overall, maybe not per year, but overall, is a pretty good chunk of change. It may not be the billion dollars that WWE got from Fox for taking SmackDown a few about a year or two ago. 
um, that will take them through 2024, I believe. But hey, $175 million overall for a brand that just started a year and a half ago, um, not even just over a year ago, is really, really good. So that, that, that's some great news there. Um, also on the same front of wrestling promotions doing well, Ring of Honor. I got to mention Ring of Honor here because I don't talk about them too much. I will preview their pay-per-views and bring up shit that's newsworthy or noteworthy, whatever. But I thought they put out two of their better shows in recent memory with the Saturday night at a Center Stage show, just on Saturday night, obviously. And then the Sunday Honor Reign Supreme show the very next night. Um, I think the first one was in Atlanta, Georgia. I don't know where the second one was. Probably in the same vicinity. Somewhere, I think, in South Carolina, I want to say. The crowd was lively. The matches were good. Overall, they were just two very fun shows. Again, not without their faults. The women's matches were not good at all. Uh, Their tag team division is getting better. They're doing all the right things. Not all the right things, but they're doing better stuff than they were even a month ago. I thought these shows were honestly better than their final battle pay-per-view, which is supposed to be like their version of WrestleMania for mid-December. I thought these two shows were really, really good. But it is worth noting, though, and again, it's going to take a long time for Ring of Honor to get back to where they used to be, if anywhere close to that. I mean, obviously, the show will never reach the level of entertainment, excitement that it had when the Elite were around and all those other people, but they can come close. And as long as the show, the, the product, the, the company is better than the, what they were in 2019, that that's a solid improvement. That's a positive, in my opinion. But anyway, it is worth noting that at both shows, we had involvement from Strictly Business, a faction led by the NWA World's Heavyweight Champion, Nick Aldis. So Nick Aldis popped up at the end of the Saturday Night at Center Stage show on Saturday um, after the PCO Roosh match for the Ring of Honor World Championship ended in a no contest. Villain Enterprises came out. We had uh, La Fashion and, and Gobernable come out, and they were brawling. And Nick Aldis out of nowhere just came out and beat the crap out of Flip Gordon and took off before the rest of Villain Enterprises could, um, you know, repay the favor. So Nick Aldis runs off. He starts, he pops up at the beginning of the Sunday show at Honor Reign Supreme to crash the commentary table, you know, kind of talk shit about Marty, and obviously Marty and Nick Aldis have had their run-in since um, last month's Into the Fire pay-per-view. So they set up right then and there. It's going to be Nick Aldis versus Flip Gordon, one-on-one, at next Friday's Hard Times pay-per-view, as announced at NWA Power on this past week. So I really like the idea of the NWA and Ring of Honor continuing to work together, or really getting back in bed together after a an absence there, um, a bit of a break. It's like they were together and they were like, oh, I want to see other people, or not even just see other people, just take a bit of a break from each other for whatever reason. And they weren't working together for all that long prior to that point. Um, they were working together dating back to All In, um, you know, about a year earlier with Nick Aldis being on the show, but that was about it. We saw the Mac or Willie Mac on Ring of Honor TV as the NWA national champion. Now, I think PJ Black was making NWA appearances. James Storm was on the show. Eli Drake was on the show. And then really out of nowhere in July, they severed ties. And I guess they had done that. I mean, Billy Corrigan is not a dumb businessman. Neither is Nick Aldis. I talked to Nick Aldis for an interview a few weeks prior to that, and he talked about how more companies can benefit from working with each other, which is why I thought it was surprising that they went ahead and severed ties with the Ring of Honor. Maybe they thought of it as a dead brand, who knows. But now that Marty Skrull, this is another big story from the week, is a new head booker in Ring of Honor. Maybe not the head booker, according to Meltzer or PW Insider or whatever. He is definitely a booker in that company now. He definitely has a lot more influence than he did even a few weeks ago. And I'll talk more about that momentarily. But it might have been because of Marty that the NWA is back in bed with Ring of Honor, which is only good news. Um, again, I thought it was confusing. They kind of parted ways there for a while. And, and the NWA has done well on their own. They can't survive solely off of the YouTube model forever. Um, but still, I think working with Ring of Honor, even though their TV deal isn't great, they're you know they're in association with Sinclair, Sinclair Broadcasting. They have a much bigger platform than the NWA does. Yet, despite the NWA's small platform and only airing on YouTube, they seem to have a lot more buzz than Ring of Honor. So I think the both both of the companies can benefit from working with each other and um, you know giving NWA more prominence on Ring of Honor programming and giving more Ring of Honor guys an opportunity to shine on power and their pay-per-views like Flip Gordon. Um, I think that's great. So I, I was very happy to see Nick Aldis pop up at both shows. 
But as I mentioned, Marty Skrull, it was announced this past week after much speculation, much of which I have discussed in depth here on WrestleRant Radio over the last number of months, that Marty Skrull is officially re-signed with Ring of Honor. I, I'm honestly shocked. I'm really shocked. I mean, I had read all the rumors prior to recently that Marty Skrull may be looking to re-sign with the Ring of Honor. They have offered him a lot of money, main roster money from WWE type of money, which means nothing, to be honest with you. That could mean anything. What is WWE main roster money? Is it fucking AJ Styles money? Or is it Zack Ryder money? Is it, you know, Seth Rollins money? Or is it Mojo Raleigh money? Like, that's what we need to find out here. Just because it's main roster money doesn't really mean anything. Is he getting... He might be getting paid more money in Ring of Honor than NXT would have been offering him. Because at the end of the day, Ring of Honor, or rather NXT, is still developmental. I think one story that's kind of been brushed under the rug in recent months is... You know, for as great as NXT is, I don't think they ever got their pay raises. For the show being two hours now and on USA Network, realistically, the people in NXT, despite whether it's developmental or not, should be getting more money than they were before. I don't think that's happened yet. I've heard nothing about that. Not that I have an insider on the inside or anything, but um, this would have been public knowledge by now. I feel like it would have been reported on it because there was much, you know, uh, a big to-do about the NXT wrestlers not getting a bigger pay raise coming out of the move to USA, and they've been on USA now for four months. So if it hasn't happened by now, I'm not sure if it ever would, but that's kind of concerning if it hasn't, because that's kind of shitty if they're not paying their competitors more, despite the fact that it's basically a third brand on the same level as WWE, uh, you know, with their Raw and SmackDown shows, because they're airing on USA Network for two hours every Wednesday. So that is a bit concerning. But again, going back to my original point, Marty may have been offered more money in Ring of Honor than he would have been in NXT, New Japan, even AEW. Now, the whole Marty thing, I just think it's silly. Um, I mean, there are pros and cons to the Marty Skrull staying in Ring of Honor. He may be a big reason why the NWA and Ring of Honor are working together again. If so, that's a great idea. Um, They're putting on a free show in Baltimore in early February. They can benefit from doing more stuff like that. I mean, it's a money loser, um, but I think... Uh, you know, it, it's they still benefit. It's not like they're bringing in great crowds anyway. It's not like AEW is doing a free show. You know what I mean? Um, maybe on pay-per-view they, they did that last summer, but in terms of attendance, people still have to pay to get there. Actually, I'm not I'm not even sure. I thought the Fighter Fest or maybe the Fight for the Fallen show, that may have been free because it was for like a charity type of thing. But like Double or Nothing would never be free. Not that Final, Final Battle will never be free either, but... You know, they can benefit from doing a, a free house show every once in a while. Um, it's not like they're bringing in hundreds of thousands of people anywhere, tens of thousands of people. It's barely a few hundred, so I think that's a good move. Trying to keep as many people as they can, people like Bandito and people like that, is a good move. They can't afford to lose any other big stars, and that includes Bandito, Marty Skrull, uh, Matt Taven could have gone, and I don't really think they would have batted an eyelash, but... You know, people like him, uh, Jeff Cobb is another one who they cannot afford to lose. He's a big star as well. He's very good. Roosh, Dragon Lee. Um, so them signing these people to extended deals is is very smart. And if they're getting more money out of it, because Sinclair Broadcasting has a lot of money to spend, then th- that's very good for all the talent involved. Marty, if he is indeed a, a new head booker or one of the head bookers or a, a part of the booking committee, uh, booking committee, I should say, in Ring of Honor, um, if he is going to be a part of this moving forward, he has to do as much as he can to bring back some buzz to Ring of Honor. Impact has a bigger, you know, not even as big of a platform as Ring of Honor. They're not, I think they, they you know, they're owned by Anthem now and they're on Access TV, but even they have more Ring of Honor, buzz than Ring of Honor at the moment. They're just kind of doing their thing. They just had a good show on Sunday, their Hard to Kill show, which I'll get to momentarily. You know, Impact is doing their thing. And even they have more buzz than Ring of Honor does, which is not good for a company that was killing it every week, every month with their pay-per-views and the Elite was there and they had all these big stars and uh, we don't really have that anymore in Ring of Honor. So uh, if they can get back to that point or again, like I said earlier, as close to that point as possible, that's what's key. The negative to Marty Skrull staying in Ring of Honor is that there really isn't much upside there aside from the money and that's what's important to him, that's great. But in terms of what he can really do there as a performer, isn't there's there's not much room to grow 
It's a ring of honor. He's already been in the world championship scene multiple times over the years. He's lost at every opportunity he was granted at the top title multiple times. Um, but still, I was, you know, I, I was shocked by that just because there really isn't much room to grow. I mean, of course, selfishly speaking, I want to see him in AEW to feud with the Elite, align with the Elite, maybe not lead the Dark Order. That didn't really do much for me when people were pitching that a couple weeks ago. Um, but I just think there's a lot more room for him to grow there. And for people saying, I had a lot of people comment me on Sunday when I made that tweet about how I, I just said I thought Marty Skrull staying in Ring of Honor was kind of a dumb move just because he's at the peak of his popularity right now. And who knows, maybe in a year from now, two years from now, whatever, when his contract or the Ring of Honor wraps up and he's a free agent again, everyone will be, he'll, he'll be one of the most sought after free agents in professional wrestling. I just honestly don't see that being the case. I really don't. Um, I don't even think he's as hot of a star now as he was a year or two ago, to be quite honest with you, when he was with the Elite. Not that Marty Skrull's terrible on his own. He's a great talent. The thing is, is that he was he was given a lot more exposure as part of the Elite. And even this past year when he was on his own, like this could have been a good year for Marty Skrull to bounce back, do his own thing. And I've honestly really enjoyed Villain Enterprises. They had great... Six man, they've had six man, you know, awesome six man tag team matches. Great chemistry there. Uh, they really ripped it up. He's a former six man tag team champion. They dropped the titles on Saturday. Um, Brody King and PCO, part of Villain Enterprises, were the world tag team champions for a cup of coffee earlier on in 2019. Skrull was, um, I don't, did he hold any other gold aside from the six man championships? I don't think so. He was in the you know, Ring of Honor World Championship ladder match in Madison Square Garden, and that match wasn't that great, and he lost. And after that, it kind of felt like his stock dropped a bit, and people were very excited. I mean, I think the light at the end of the tunnel with his Ring of Honor run up until recently was that, okay, he's leaving, it's okay, because we know he's on his way out, and he'll be utilized better in AEW. But that's not happening. So again, more power to him if he's getting paid more, more influence. He's living a comfortable life, not many dates, not much travel. Hey, honestly, if that was me, I wouldn't. I probably would do the same thing. But from a career standpoint... Um, again, a lot of people who are all up in arms about the about the uh, Marty Skrull staying in Ring of Honor thing are just kind of being fans about it and saying, oh, there's so many more storyline possibilities, but who gives a fuck about that when you're getting paid a shit ton of money? So I get it. I get it. Trust me. The thing is, is that with Marty, from a career standpoint, how much more can he really do in Ring of Honor in front of the camera? Like, I mean, he's already gone for the top title multiple times and failed. He's done the tag team thing forever. He's already been a TV champion. Um, I just, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not really sure what to make of it. Maybe they'll change my mind um, going forward, and they'll utilize him in this prominent role. He got pinned over the weekend, but that was probably of his own doing. That was probably his own idea, um, to be honest with you. And, hey, if he can bring change to Ring of Honor that wasn't there before as one of the head bookers, again, that's terrific. I just don't think that's going to happen. I think if Ring of Honor was going to turn around, I think they can get better but they'll never be what they'll never be what they once were. They're kind of a dead brain at this point. Not completely written off, but I think from from a, you know for Marty Skrull himself, he would have been better off elsewhere. Whether it be in NXT or AEW or New Japan or you know honestly if he's if he's doing the double shot between NWA and Ring of Honor, that's great. It's better than nothing. It's better than him solely working behind the scenes. But the guy's still in the prime of his career. He's still a sought-after talent for now. Two years from now, that may not be the case. Like Bully Ray. I mean, not that he was a sought-after free agent when he left WWE. Um, but it makes sense for him to be in a backstage role in the Ring of Honor because, you know, he's older now. There's really no reason for him to be an on-air performer anymore um, or as prominently featured as he once was. Marty can still go. He can still be a top-tier talent if utilized properly. And again, I had a lot of people coming at me on Twitter on Sunday saying that, oh, he doesn't need to go to um, AEW, blah, blah, blah. I mean, yeah, he doesn't need to go there, but I think AEW probably needs him more than he needs AEW. AEW needs more top talents like Marty Skrull, which is why I think it's a great move, if not yet official, I'll give you that. Um, I know his wife debunked the rumors on Twitter soon after it was reported on Twitter by the SoCal Uncensored Twitter account, and that's not to be confused with SCU. Um, they actually got their name from that website. That it was reported on Sunday during Sunday's Hard to Kill Impact pay-per-view that Brian Cage 
is going to be headed to AEW. So he might be taking the spot that Marty Skrull had kind of ready-made for him in that promotion where he could be brought in and treated like a top talent because they need more star power. I don't care what anyone says. They have a great roster, but they need more star power, and it already feels like they've run through their biggest matches so far. Cody and MJF was, has been a big match for them for the past year. Um, they were teasing that even a year ago, and they're blowing through it in a couple weeks of the Revolution pay-per-view. John Moxley and Jericho, blowing through it at Revolution. The Young Bucks versus Santana and Ortiz, blew through it at the Full Gear pay-per-view. The Young Bucks versus Lucha Bros, blew through it over the, over the summer. They need more talent. It's going to reach a point where, yeah, I mean, I could see people saying, that oh, they can build up more talent, and that's why, you know, blah, blah, blah. Fucking Darby Allen's going to be world champion, which I'm sure he will be at some point. But I just don't feel like there's any money matches left in AEW that they haven't already done or won't, you know, have yet to do or will still do at the next pay-per-view. Beyond Revolution and beyond the Double or Nothing show in May, it doesn't really feel like there's many matches left for a lot of people there. Jericho's already beaten in the span of one year Kenny Omega, Adam Page, uh, Kenny Omega, Adam Page, Cody, and um, maybe even John Moxley at the next show, at Revolution. I mean, he may not win, um, but he's facing him. Beyond those top four talents, who else is there for Jericho to face? Luchasaurus, maybe. Darby Allen, he's already beat. Scorpio Sky, he's already beat. How many more matches are there realistically left for Chris Jericho that have not been done before in AEW? I feel like they're kind of rushing through shit that I'm not a big fan of. They have to draw more feuds out. The Cody Jericho feud was great, but they fucking hotshotted it in a month. They gotta do a better job of dragging this stuff out. But Brian Cage getting picked up by AEW is a big deal. Very big deal. Um, he's a big guy. I know a lot of people are saying, oh, he's injury prone, which is true. It's true. I mean, he was he was hurt for the better part of 2019. He won the Impact World Championship, and legit in the same match, he got injured. He got injured. He didn't wrestle again, I don't think, until the Slammiversary pay-per-view. He had a great match, despite being hurt, with Michael Elgin over the World Championship. And then even after that, he didn't wrestle all that much until he lost the championship to Sammy Callahan on Impact Wrestling a couple months ago. He didn't really wrestle many matches for Impact in 2019. He's been healthy since then. He reportedly got hurt again at the Impact pay-per-view on Sunday with a torn bicep, which is probably why they did what they did um, with Daga coming out and uh, taking his place, even though Daga already wrestled earlier on in the evening against Rob Van Dam. Um, he ended up wrestling him after already wrestling in the dark match before the show. But um, maybe that was their way of writing him out. I don't really know. But either way, I like the idea of Brian Cage going to AEW. He's been one of those unsung, maybe not heroes, but like one of the more underappreciated talents in recent memory. He's killed it wherever he's gone, um, which really started, I would think, with his run in Lucha Underground. Um, he had a really, really good run over there. I don't think he won any championships aside from the that gauntlet that he held towards the end of his run there. But he had a lot of good matches with Pentagon Jr., Prince Puma, um, what the fuck was that guy's name? El Tejano. He had a good couple good series of matches with, uh, a nice string of matches with him. He had a lot of good matches over in Lucha that really opened people's eyes to how good he actually was. Because before that, he was only really working, I think, California shows and, you know, that indie scene over there. And he was a part of the WWE developmental system at one point. He got cut. He tried up for Impact and they didn't want him. So he really turned into a hot commodity in Lucha and Impact took him. They groomed to be one of their top stars. But it's also an issue with Impact. I know I'm all over the place here, but with Impact, it's become an issue of theirs that they groom these people for superstardom and then they leave. It's a lot like Ring of Honor. It's a lot like Ring of Honor. You look at half of the people that have held that Ring of Honor World Championship in the last, what, five years? Almost all of them are gone. Kevin Owens held the World Championship for the better part of 2013. He left um, in 2017 to join NXT. Adam Cole a three-time NXT champion, left for NXT. Um, I'm trying to think who else has been champion. Jay Lethal, Dalton Castle's still there, but he has not nearly as much buzz as he did a couple of years ago. Uh, 2015, who did they have as champion at that point? Adam Cole, they had, uh, fuck, what, Jay Briscoe? Um, he's still there, but he's not really the top star that he was. He's been doing the tag team thing now for years with, with his brother Mark. So, uh, yeah, they need more stars. Impact, I, I did this whole thing on Twitter yesterday. I tweeted out during Impact that 
everyone that has competed in the main event of their Bound for Glory pay-per-view for the last 10 years, with the exception of Sammy Callahan and everyone except for Sammy has left the promotion. Everybody. Whether it be Matt Hardy, Jeff Hardy, Kurt Angle, Sting, AJ Styles, Bully Ray, EC3, Bobby Lashley, Drew McIntyre, all gone. All gone. All people impact tried to make the face of their promotion, and they did, albeit for a little while, and then they moved on. You know, because he's been pushed so aggressively, it's great for a company like AEW to take him, but a lot of these people that impact push don't stay for the long haul. Sammy Callahan is, which is great. Same thing with Tessa Blanchard. Will Tessa Blanchard still be there in six months? That's the question. I feel like part of the reason why they put the championship on Tessa at Sunday's pay-per-view was because they want to convince her to stay. Her contract is reportedly up in the summer. She may not be sticking around. And honestly, if I'm Tessa Blanchard, why wouldn't I explore my options elsewhere? Part of the reason may be is because she's blacklisted, first of all, after the whole controversy that broke out on Sunday or Saturday, whatever it was, before the pay-per-view, before she went for the world championship. Good God, was that a shit show. That was a fucking mess. Um... You know, if I'm AEW, if I'm WWE, do we want that on a roster? Probably not. Part of the Mae Young Classic, the first ever. And then she got booted from the first round by Kyrie Sane, not to be seen again. She signed with Impact the following year, which is where she's been ever since. And she's had a good run there, but um, it's a lot like Brian Cage, where they can only bring in so many top talents. Pentagon Jr., Austin Aries, two people they pushed aggressively and both have since left for um, other promotions and even the indies and stuff like that. Will Tessa Blanchard be any different? Will Tessa Blanchard move on to AEW? Will she move on to WWE? If I'm her, I would leave to get offered more money. But again, can she even leave? Is Impact her only home at this point? Are they the only promotion that's willing to tolerate her bullshit? And, um, you know, my dealings with Tessa, I've met her before. I've interviewed her before. She's a very nice woman. But you know, maybe she has changed in recent years, but the past is the past until she comes clean with it and she apologizes for what she did, which is pretty bad. She's got to say sorry and at least attempt to move on, to block it out, say people that are, you know, to call people haters or to say that it never happened when very clearly where there's smoke, there's fire. To say that it never happened or to just pretend it never happened would be a fucking mistake, especially for the new world champion of Impact Wrestling. So hopefully that's addressed soon enough. I, I do got to mention this, though, because I mentioned it in my hashtag AskGSM video on Monday, or rather Wednesday, that Triple H made a, and, you know, a, a kind of a poor joke about Paige, about her having kids that she didn't know about, and everyone's like, oh, you, you know, you're fucking, you know, everyone's too sensitive, blah, blah, blah. Well, fuck off. It's a very serious subject. I'm not saying that he's an asshole for it, but he probably shouldn't have said it. Plain and simple. He probably shouldn't have said it. Was I offended by it? No. But Paige, it's obviously something. It's obviously something that she takes very seriously, and I very seriously doubted that. Even though he apologized to her um, privately, which he should have, of course. Even though he privately apologized to her, that he still should have apologized publicly too, because it was a public comment that he made. He should apologize publicly. He should apologize publicly, which he did. He actually did. Let me pull up Twitter real quick because I'm recording this after he just put it up. I wasn't planning on talking about this today. Um, but he has since come clean on Twitter and apologizing to Paige. Actually, let me pull up my phone because my phone, my laptop's being slow for some reason. Let's see. Triple H. So I guess he made the comments to the uh, BT Sport, um, to their fucking media while he was promoting something else, the NXT UK show, which I'll get to momentarily. Okay, so this is what he tweeted on Wednesday. I've reached out to at RealPageWWE to apologize. I made a terrible joke, and I'm sorry if it offended her or anyone else. You know, it's it's one of those things where you're apologizing for offending people as opposed to, you know, apologizing for the joke itself. But he did kind of apologize for it by saying it was a terrible joke. He's not saying that, oh, you know, what's the big deal, blah, 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 and why would he? I mean, he's a fucking... Um, you know, he, he's an executive. He can't be saying shit like that. But I thought that was nice of him to do that, whether it was him or one of his people. It doesn't even matter. The fact they tweeted it out on his account, to me, is all that matters. I thought that was a nice step. Tessa Blanchard should be next. Tessa Blanchard, if she doesn't apologize for her actions, she's going to feel a lot more backlash than she already has. 
I don't disagree with Impact with the decision to put the top title on her. She had the momentum. She's the biggest star there. It was right for the story. That shit didn't happen recently. If it happened over the weekend, that's a different story. But this shit happened years ago. I'm not excusing it, but they can't let the past affect their present. So she's got to come clean with it. She's got to apologize. Otherwise, they may take the title off of her soon enough. But in the moment, I don't disagree with the decision to put the championship on her just because it made the most sense. It was a great match. And I know wrestling isn't everything, but, you know, Impact's got to do what they got to do business-wise. And that for business-wise, that made the most sense. And I'm happy to see her as the champion. But at the same time, I'd be happier if she apologized for what she said. Um, because, again, it's not a one- or two-person thing. There's a lot of people that have come clean by Tessa bullying her. People like Isla Dawn from NXT UK. People like the NWA Women's Champion Allison K. People like... NXT superstar Chelsea Green. People like, I mean, the list goes on and on and on. There were a lot of different women that came out and, and spoke shit, um, some serious shit about Tessa Blanchard and her past actions. And again, she may be a saint now, which is great, but it doesn't excuse what she's done in the past and kind of brushing it under the rug. Overall, I thought the Impact pay-per-view on Sunday was very good. I don't have time to break it down in full. Um, but I thought they did a good job of putting together a very solid pay-per-view. Not their best pay-per-view effort. I will say that much. I thought the main event was uh, very good between Tessa and Sammy Callahan for the Impact World Championship. I thought the tag team title match, which was a glorified handicap match um, because Rich Swan got legit hurt, so it turned into a handicap match with the North defending against Willie Mack was very good. Uh, the World, or the rather the Knockouts Championship match was not good. Between Taya Blanchard or Taya Blanchard, that's a weird love child of Taya Valkyrie and Tessa Blanchard. Taya Valkyrie versus ODB versus Jordan Grace was not that good of a match. Um, I thought that was kind of poor. Ken Shamrock versus Madman Fulton, eh, wasn't a big fan. Um, Ace Austin versus Trey for the Impact X Division Championship was a good opener. Uh, or not, it wasn't even the opener, it should have been the opener. It was a good match. They didn't really reach that next level, but it was still a good match. Uh, we also saw RVD versus Brian Cage, as I mentioned earlier, which was um, yeah, wasn't really that good of a match before it ended abruptly. And then RVD went on to beat Daga in an impromptu match, probably because they had to kill the time that was set out for um, RVD and Brian Cage. That was fine, but I would have rather they saved that for another time, but I get that they probably had to do it. Um, in the second best match of the night next to the main event, Eddie Edwards versus Michael Elgin for Eddie Edwards. Uh, call your shot trophy, which would earn him a future shot at any championship at any time of his choosing. And Elgin uh, fell short in their rematch from Impact Wrestling last week um, here on this show. I thought it was a great, very well-wrestled match. They have awesome chemistry. Edwards winning was the right call. Um, I thought that was a great match. Moose and Rhino was kind of was what it was. Wasn't really expecting much from that. Um, but overall, I thought it was a good show. The main event and Eddie Edwards versus Michael Elgin really made it stand out as being special. Although it wasn't nearly as strong as Bound for Glory, Slammiversary, Rebellion, Homecoming, all four of those 2019 Impact pay-per-views were far better than this. But this was still a pretty good show, all things considered. Um, with Tessa being the world champion, though, I'm very interested to see how it's handled. She could very well drop the championship right back to Sammy Callahan this weekend in their next set of TV tapings in Mexico. There's a very good chance that happens. So don't be surprised if it does. Um, I think they'll keep the championship on her for a little while, maybe not drop it right back to Sammy, but they can have her drop it to Moose, maybe. Uh, I think Moose losing a Tessa would be a bit unrealistic, and I would put the belt on Moose. I mean, I know he's a fucking woman beater. I mean, I know people would say that he has a history of domestic abuse. So, I mean, as to Sammy Callahan, no one's a fucking saint, but some of these people they have on the Impact roster, woo lad, they don't have the greatest track record when it comes to this type of stuff. But um, I, I honestly would like to see it be Moose, Moose be the one to take that championship from Tessa, and he's been on a, quite the roll lately. He's had wins over Rob Van Dam. He beat Rhino at Sunday's pay-per-view. He beat Ken Shamrock back at Bound for Glory. And again, these are all old people, but they're still credible wins. Um, I, I would hope Moose is going to be the next in line for a shot and a run at that Ring of Honor. Or Ring of Honor. I'm getting my companies mixed up here. Impact World Championship. Uh, but moving on here, as we have plenty of other stuff to discuss, I kind of just ran down the Impact Hard to Kill pay-per-view. Um, but I do want to review the NXT UK Blackpool or the NXT UK Takeover Blackpool Two show from Sunday and Raw from Monday. One real quick note here to mention: um, as I said at the start of the show, WWE officially announcing 
the signings of Mercedes Martinez, as I talked about last week here on the show, uh, former two-time May Young Classic competitor, and recently seen on AEW TV. Um, she was on an episode of Dark, I want to say, if not Dynamite itself. I'm pretty sure she was on Dark. She was also in that Casino Battle Royale back at All Out in Chicago. I was shocked AEW didn't sign her, but you know what? It might be her lifelong dream to sign with WWE. She made it sound like she was pretty happy to go there in her post on Twitter when the news broke on Tuesday. Um, so maybe she held out for more money from WWE and she got it. Or AEW didn't offer her enough. Who knows? Maybe seeing the writing on the wall with the women's division right now in AEW. You know, Chris Statlander said, oh, I don't regret going to AEW. Well, no shit. You just signed there a month ago, lady. Like, obviously, you don't regret going there. Um, she was like, oh, well, you know, I got offers from WWE, but I don't regret coming here. Well, no shit. You just had a championship match on Wednesday. I would hope you don't regret it. We'll see in about a year or two and how they're using you and how their women's division is. Because that women's match last week on Dynamite was fucking terrible. Uh, so Mercedes Martinez signing wasn't really much of a surprise after it was rumored and reported about a week ago. Jake Atlas also officially signing with WWE. If you're not familiar with who Jake Atlas is, you absolutely should be. Because I know I wasn't. But I looked up some of his matches and saw that he was a PWG regular. He's a California native. He's really, really good. Um, he's only 25 years old. And apparently in the WWE.com bio of him, they included on their website on Tuesday when the news broke. This is what they wrote. Um, the 25-year-old California native broke out in promotions like Pro Wrestling Gorilla and appeared on an episode of Undercover Boss featuring Stephanie McMahon, or Marquez, you know, um, Jake Atlas, explained to WWE's chief brand officer that his dream is to become the first openly gay WWE champion. Um, I'm not sure how long ago that was. I remember that episode of Undercover Boss. I didn't see it, but that thing with Stephanie where she, like, you know, she, I, I guess the whole point of the show is where the boss dress up, dresses up like someone else, and they're supposed to go into their workplace and fool people. She looked exactly the same. If she dyed her hair blonde, she would have looked exactly the fucking same. It was a joke. Um, I'm not sure where that encounter would have taken place on the show, um, but that's pretty cool. I've heard he's really, really good as well, so keep an eye out for Jake Atlas in NXT going forward. I mean, there's so many people they've signed, so many people they have yet to even do anything with. Santana Garrett's made all of, like, one appearance in NXT TV. I know on Wednesday they had a battle royale to determine the number one contender to the NXT Women's Championship. Mercedes Martinez might have won that for all I know. I'm recording this beforehand. Um, I think Santana might be in that as well. But they have so much talent down there where they will not lose any sleep if they call up Rhea Ripley or Bianca or even an Io Shirai or a Sheena Baszler is like a given at this point up to the main roster in the next few months. Like that, I don't think NXT's women's division will lose a beat. They won't miss a beat. They still have Shotzi Blackheart waiting in the wings, who we saw in the Christmas episode a couple weeks ago. Chelsea Green just debuted. They have Scarlett Bardot. They have Mercedes Martinez now. Santana Garrett. Deanna Perrazzo is still yet to make a regular role on NXT TV. They have so much talent, it's not even funny. Um, and probably more people I'm not even thinking of. So I think they'll be just fine. And I think Mercedes Martinez specifically will be a very strong um, addition to WWE's NXT Women's Division. And honestly, I'm very happy. And hey, maybe she won that Battle Royal, like I said. But I'm very happy they're not wasting any time in bringing her to TV. She was signed officially on Tuesday. She, she was on the show on Wednesday. That's great. They're not wasting any time with this bullshit of the PC. Like, I get it with Chelsea Green, who's still relatively new, and Shotzi Blackheart, who's still relatively a rookie. Mercedes Martinez has been doing this for like 18, 17 years. She's been doing this a long-ass time. There is no reason for her to be at the PC for more than a few weeks. Fucking rush this woman straight to the NXT Women's Division, which is exactly what they're doing. And if she didn't win that Battle Royal on Wednesday, I'm sure they'll have big plans for her nonetheless if she's debuting on TV that soon. Uh, real quickly, from the NXT UK TakeOver Blackpool 2 show from Sunday, um, as we wind down the show here and my voice gets worse and worse, another great show from the NXT UK TakeOver, uh, from the NXT UK brand. Their first two takeovers were terrific. I thoroughly enjoyed them. That Cardiff show specifically, I fucking loved. That Walter-Tyler Bate match was what dreams were made of. It was such a great match. One of my favorite matches from 2019. This show is no different. We kicked off the event with Eddie Dennis versus Trent Seven. Good stuff here. Not the flashiest of matches. Um, but I thought, they told, I thought they told a good story. Eddie Dennis looked good. That chuck, that throw from Eddie Dennis to Seven off to the outside of the ring... Looked fucking brutal. That looked intense. 
Um, Eddie Dennis ended up winning after that, as he should have to put him over as a star, so I thought that was a good call. For the NXT UK Women's Championship, triple threat action between Kaylee Ray, Piper Niven, and Tony Storm. Very good stuff here. They started that slow, but once they picked up the pace, it turned into a really, really good triple threat. Some great suspense. I figured Kylie Ray would retain, um, or Kaylee Ray, not Kylie Ray. I'm thinking of Kylie Ray from a fucking AEW last year. Not her, Kaylee Ray. Um, I figured she would retain. She did, but Piper Niven looking very good in defeat. I'm, sure, I'm very surprised that Piper Niven was the one who got pinned here. I thought it would be Tony Storm, but it's not really here, not really, not neither here nor there. Um, I figured Tony Storm would get pinned to kind of explain her departure over to the NXT, uh, over NXT US, as she's kind of done it all over here in NXT UK. But um, she still lost, and that's really all that matters. This was a really good match. Kaylee Ray still the NXT UK takeover. God, I'm fucking up my words here today. It's it's all the voice. I'm I'm telling you, still the NXT UK Women's Champion. And uh, I got to mention this too, because I saw it in this match. I saw it in another match. I saw it in multiple times in the Hard to Kill pay per view. I saw it multiple times in the Ring of Honor pay per view. Jesus fucking Christ! Will people stop with the Canadian destroyers? Jesus Christ! It's so annoying. And if, if you're thinking I'm one of those people like, oh, you hate indie wrestling, oh, you hate this move, no, it's an amazing move. If anything, it might be one of my favorite finishers of all time. I love the Panama City Sunrisers, the Panama Sunrise, whatever Adam Cole calls him when he does it. But he's a victim of this too. He does it constantly. I mean, he doesn't wrestle all that often. I see it far more in AEW than I do in WWE. But we see it in WWE a lot too. Rey Mysterio did it to Andrade last week on the show. Adam Cole does it a lot. Um, Piper Niven did one here, which was very impressive, but they still should not be doing it constantly. I'm pretty sure I saw one in the ladder match, the tag team ladder match from uh, later on in the show. I saw one from Willie Mack, which was also very impressive for a guy his size, but they got to stop doing these moves. They got to stop doing the fucking move. They did a ring of honor on Sunday. AEW does it constantly. Dustin did one. Pentagon Jr. does it constantly. They've bastardized the move. You people have got to stop doing the Canadian Destroyer. And maybe you're thinking to yourself, oh, it's such a cool move, then why do you hate seeing it all the time? Because it loses its luster. It should be a move that ends a match. It should be a move that no one ever kicks out of. You know how many people kicked out of the Canadian Destroyer of, uh, of Petey Williams when Petey Williams did it? I mean, he's still a regular kind of an impact, but you know how many people have kicked out of the Canadian Destroyer? One person. Eli Drake kicked out of it when Petey went for the Impact World Championship a couple years ago on the show. And it was a big deal when it got kicked out of the 3D. Another move that's only been kicked out of maybe two or three times. Um, I know someone kicked out of it in ECW. And then I think Chris Saban kicked out of it in TNA when it was Team 3D versus the Motor City Machine Guns. That's it. That's how you make a move special. I know they've bastardized the super kick and the DDT and the tope suicide and all this other shit, but it breaks my fucking heart to see the Canadian Destroyer just made out to look like another move. I know I'm not doing myself any justice here by talking and when my voice is shot, but it just annoys the hell out of me. It annoys the hell out of me when I see that move now. When you save it for a finisher of a match, like when Cole does it, I get it. And even Cole is kind of guilty of doing this too, where they'll do like four or five in the same match. And it's like, dude, if it's not going to end a match, stop doing it. God, it's so annoying. It was cool when Piper Niven did it here, but still, like they got to stop doing this shit. Uh, we also saw Tyler Bate face Jordan Devlin in one of my favorite matches of 2020 so far. I know it's not saying much. We're only 15 days in, or 16 days in rather, but this was great. This was terrific stuff, spectacular stuff even, from Bait and Devlin. And William Regal said as much in the UK TakeOver Prime Target special that went up on Thursday on the network last week, a week ago. He said that he thought this would be the match of the year, and so far it is for WWE. I know the New Japan matches may have been better, and that's all fine and dandy, but in my personal opinion, I thought this was so far the match of the year for WWE between this, NXT, Raw, SmackDown, 205 Live, you name it. Best match of the year so far Fucking fight me on it because it's true. Uh, this was really, really good. Devlin looked great. Bate looked great. The crowd was super hot for it from the beginning. Great story. Bate knocked Devlin out of the WWE United Kingdom Championship Tournament three uh, three years ago, almost exactly, to the day. Um, I thought that was really well done and very smart. 
Um, very, very good stuff here. I thought this was tremendous. I would have rather had Devlin win. It would have been a big win for him. But I get it. Bates' story is that he's down on his luck right now. He lost the tag team title match a year ago at the first takeover for the UK brand. He lost to Walter at takeover Cardiff. So he kind of needed to win just as much as Devlin did. Um, but I thought this was amazing. And I can't wait for an, an eventual rematch because this was really, really good. I'm telling you, if you have yet to watch this match, if there's any one match to watch from this show, it is absolutely Tyler Bate versus Jordan Devlin. I don't know if it'll end up being the match of the year for WWE come December 31st, but it'll definitely be my top five. I will never forget how this match made me feel while watching it. Like, I was on my feet after every kick out and the crowd was too. This was outstanding, absolutely outstanding. And that standing ovation they received afterwards from the fans in attendance, from William Regal, Johnny St. Triple H up in the balcony, was very well-deserved, to say the least. Uh, for the NXT, NXT UK tag team titles, it was Gallus beating the Grizzled Young Vets, Imperium, Mark Andrews, and Flash Morgan Webster, and a fatal four-way ladder match to retain the titles. This was crazy stuff. This was a great match. I feel like we're almost numb to ladder matches because we see so many of them now. Tag teams alone, like they did this one here, they had a tag team ladder match at TLC a month ago with New Day and Revival. And then we had another tag team ladder match at the TakeOver 25 show in NXT uh, with Street Profits when they won. There, there was Undisputed Era in there. They had Forgotten Sons and then Danny Burch and Oni Lorcan. Uh, God, so many, so many tag team ladder matches. But they're all great, so it's hard to complain. But this was really good too. Kind of a surprising result. I would have had Imperium go over, but that's just me. And that brought us to the main event. The WWE United Kingdom Champion Walter taking on Joe Coffey. Um, I liked the match. It could have been better. They kind of dragged it out a little too long. I didn't like all the interference. Kind of uh, kind of hindered, hurt Walter's mystique, if only a little bit. Um, I thought that wasn't all that smart. Just because Walter should be booked to look dominant as he was in that Cardiff match. I thought he was portrayed perfectly in that match with Tyler Bate back in Cardiff on TakeOver. But this was still really, really good, and Walter went over as he should have, still the WWE United Kingdom champion. But that wasn't all. As Imperium stood tall to end the show, um, Tom Phillips on commentary had said that, oh, you know, it's um, it's the beginning of an era, of the Imperium era. And as soon as he said that, you knew what was going to happen next. With Undisputed Era coming out, laying out Walter, laying out Imperium, this was great. And then a big Adam Cole Bebe chant. Um, not during the show, but after the show. You could tell the crowd was disappointed when he didn't do it on the show itself, but he did do it on the stage before he walked backstage in a WWE.com exclusive video. Um, good main event. Could have been better. I thought Bate and Walter, and I thought um, Pete Dunne and Joe Coffey were better than this, but it was still a good match with the right result, and overall, just a really, really good show. Um, this will definitely go down as one of my favorite shows of the year so far. I mean, obviously so far, but like when 2019, or rather 2020 wraps up, I would hope that this goes down as one of their best shows of the year because they had some great wrestling, great moments. Um, that Jordan Devlin-Tyler Bate match was something else. Um, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of the NXT UK brand, and if they can continue to keep on producing takeovers like this, uh, I mean, there's I don't know what to say because they just keep putting out great show after great show. And um, they're already on their way up, and they're getting more buzz, and more people are talking about it, which is great to see. Real quickly, from Raw on Monday, before we wrap it up here, I thought Raw's um, on Monday was a good show. Not a great show. I've seen better episodes recently, but a very tight-knit show, um, to say the least. We had McIntyre knocking off AJ and Randy Orton in triple threat action. It was supposed to be AJ and Orton one-on-one, but McIntyre ended up entering the fray beforehand. Um, the Styles clash from Orton was awesome. Not great execution, but it was just a funny sight. Then um, after Orton laid out, AJ Styles with an RKO, McIntyre laid out Orton with a Claymore, McIntyre pins AJ, picks up the victory, a uh, big win for McIntyre, he is absolutely a front runner to win the um, Royal Rumble this year, Willie, I don't think so, I think it's either going to go to Cain Velasquez or Roman Reigns, I'm preparing myself for the worst people, but it would be cool if McIntyre won it, because he deserves it, Ricochet versus Mojo Raleigh, fine match, but Ricochet could not feel any more directionless than he does right now, the guy is just clearly spinning his wheels. Um, they could definitely be doing more with Ricochet than they are at the moment. I heard a rumor that he was supposed to be facing Brock at the Rumble. I didn't hear that from anyone else except for one or two people, so I'm not sure where that came from. Thank God it didn't happen because Ricochet is just... He's never been colder, including his NXT run. Like At least in NXT and early on in the main roster, they had something for the guy to do. 
right now he's just spinning his wheels. Ever since the AJ feud ended, he's been just kind of there. Um, beating people left and right and, and then losing it whenever it matters most, like Andrade and people like that. Um, it was a fine match, but they really got to get Ricochet back in the back in the fold, doing something more meaningful again. Charlotte Flair knocking off Sarah Logan in about a minute or so after the brawl they had last week. This was exactly what it needed to be. I had no desire to see a full-length Charlotte versus Sarah Logan match. So honestly, I have no complaints about Sarah getting squashed by Charlotte because really that was always going to be the end result. Um, the Brock and R-Truth and Paul Heyman segment I thought was masterful. Did it really accomplish anything? No. Did it serve a purpose? Not really. But I thought it was great. Um, I thought it was very entertaining. And hey, if it entertains me, then I could not care less whether it serves a purpose or not. The R-Truth coming out thing and he's talking about being the 24-7 champion. He's going to enter the Rumble only if Paul Heyman's in it, which he's not. And then he found out that and he said he's uh, taking his name out of the Rumble because Paul Heyman's not in it, and instead he's talking about Brock. I thought the whole thing was tremendous. And, um, you know, they did a really, really good job with this segment, even though it didn't really matter for anything in the, in the long run. I thought it was still really, really good. Uh, Bobby Lashley beat Rusev. I mean, the match was what it was. The feud will continue. In fact, we're getting a mixed tag team match next week on the show between Bobby and Lana and Rusev and Liv Morgan. Maybe there's some people out there who are enjoying this angle. I am certainly not. I just think this is this whole thing is trash. I really just find it to be a massive waste of time. The match had its moments, but overall was really just kind of boring, to be honest. And the crowd didn't really care either. Uh, we also found out next week we're getting Rey Mysterio versus Andrade in a ladder match for the United States Championship. So uh, I would assume that serves as the blow-off to their feud, but uh, that should be really good as well. Andrade and Mysterio always work well together. And again, another fucking ladder match, another ladder match, but this one should be fun. I'm not sure what the last ladder match that we got on Raw was. It's not too often that we get ladder matches on Raw, but this one should be special nonetheless. Uh, We then had Becky Lynch and Asuka sign the contract for their Raw Women's Championship match at the Rumble. Short, sweet, straight to the point. Asuka spraying the green mist in the face of Becky. Getting the last word in, and the last spray, I guess. Um, this was exactly what it needed to be. I think the feud so far has been very well handled, and I'm looking forward to the match of the Rumble. I forgot to mention this, the Viking Raiders issued an open challenge, which was answered by the Singh brothers. Who the fuck could possibly care? Who gives a shit, honestly? The Viking Raiders went over. Do I really need to even say that? Um, Alistair Black beat Money Murphy. Again, another very good match. Probably the weakest of the three. Um, but still very good and easily the best match in the entire show. I thought they worked well together. Eric Rowan beating a random jobber. Who cares? Whatever was in the cage bit him. We got our first look at the cage. Didn't see what was inside. But, um, you know, he got his hand bit and, and that was it. Then he won his match. Who cares? The fist fight main event was honestly a lot better than I thought it would be. We found out earlier today via the rap that the only way to win this match was by incapacitating your opponent essentially. Not for a 10 count like last man standing, excuse me, but just by beating the living daylights out of him until the referee determined that they couldn't continue. And in the end, it was Rollins and AOP who went over after help from Buddy Murphy, who was still sitting ringside following his loss to Aleister Black. He was sitting there for a solid 20, 30 minutes. Um, and then he comes out and, uh, you know, he, he jumped in the ring after Adam Cole, or not Adam Cole, Seth Rollins pleaded for his help. And he ended up coming in, helping out Rollins and AOP, helping them pick up the victory, and is officially aligned with Rollins and AOP. A pairing I could absolutely get behind. I like that idea a lot of uh, Buddy Murphy joining up with um, Rollins and AOP. I thought that was great. So overall, I thought it was a good show. Not great, not 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 too, too good, but um, I thought it was solid. It served its purpose in preparing us for the Rumble, some entertaining stuff, good matches, right outcomes for the most part. McIntyre picking up, picking up a big win, Murphy getting spotlighted. Uh, Bobby, or not, you know, Bobby Lashley and Rusev doing their thing. Didn't really care about that. The Lesnar and R-Truth thing I thought was perfect. Um, set up matches for next week, which I liked a lot. The Becky and Asuka segment further their feud. Black and Murphy having a great match. So the positives absolutely outweigh the negatives. So overall, I would give this show a thumbs up. And that's going to do it for this show, guys. This episode of Russell Rant Radio for Thursday, January 16, 2020. I got to get the hell out of here. My voice is killing me. Uh, my throat is fine. It's just that my voice is shot because I was coughing all day yesterday and earlier today. I'm surprised I haven't had to stop the show more than I have to uh, cough my brains out. But nonetheless, thank you guys for bearing with me 
through this entire hour of audio, even with my shot voice. And next week, as I said earlier, we're being joined by the one and only, the returning Mr. Marceau, RJ, to break down the Worlds Collide and Royal Rumble 2020 cards. Going to be a fun time, as always, right here on Russell Rant Radio with a reuniting duo of GSM to RJ, if you will. But uh, if you want to listen to more episodes of Russell Rant Radio, you can do so by subscribing on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Podbean, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio. We're also on nextdaywrestling.net, my own very my very own website, of course. Full episodes are available there. Rate the show, review the show, subscribe to the show. If you leave a review of the show on iTunes, I will give you a shout out right here on WrestleRant Radio at the start of the show. Um, in addition to that as well, you can find me on the socials on WrestleRant on Twitter, on Facebook at Facebook.com, backslash Graham the GSM Matthews, and also on YouTube, YouTube.com, backslash C, backslash Graham GSM Matthews. So with all that being said, guys, have a great rest of your week slash weekend. Uh, we'll be back here next week with a Royal Rumble prediction panel with myself and Mr. Marceau. Prepare for that great enhanced audio thanks to my new iPhone XR, which is pretty cool. Um, the phones, it's been treating me well so far. It's my first new phone in quite some time, so it was high time for an upgrade, and it's going to be cool to try out the audio levels with uh, Mr. Marceau next week right here on WrestleRant Radio. Until then, guys, have an awesome one. I'm Graham G. S. Matthews, and I'll catch your ass down the road. Down the road.